Martin, thank you so much for making time all the way from England to um, speak with me. I wanted to hand over to you first off, just to tell us about you know what you do in the e-commerce space or or your you know Amazon space in particular. Yeah, it's my pleasure, James. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, my name is Martin Heubel. Um, I am the founder of Consultors, and this is an e-commerce strategy consulting um, practice where I help multinational brands. Um, and national brands um, that work on a 1P um, vendor relationship with Amazon to actually make sense of all of this Amazon puzzle that uh, is out there, right? So um, particularly when it comes to channel selection doubts, when it comes to price volatility in the buy box, but also when it comes to really a derailed portfolio management, how can you actually bring that all together again and also make sense of it from a profitability point of view? So how do you actually manage and create a portfolio on, but also offsite Amazon that makes sense in the long term, and to also increase your profitability on a sustainable and long term basis. And um, my clients come typically with an issue um, to me when they when they have like either profit margin challenges or they want to um, take a look at how they can actually facilitate their Amazon vendor relationship um, by pulling the levers that are often hidden and not at plain sight available to them. Yep, that all makes sense, and um, I certainly think a lot of people would make use of someone like like yourself. So that I just want to get straight into the question. So in Australia, you know, Amazon itself is is fairly new, and and lot you, you actually see a lot of kind of smaller brands kind of come up as a seller, and then they get this invitation to Vendor Central. So I wanted to ask you, why do brands get invited to Vendor Central? Because it seems you know on the face value, it seems random, and and why should they they use it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, uh, Amazon is a great marketplace in order to sell your products, right? Um, they have loads of traffic. The conversion rates are much higher than on many other platforms or even any other platform really out there. And um, the definition of a 1P seller is a little bit different compared to a 3P one, simply because you, you get to ship your products towards Amazon at a wholesale or list price. And Amazon takes care of the inventory management, but also the price management for you. And I think this is for, for a lot of brands already something which can be quite attractive simply because they just ship the product and they don't have to manually price a product. They don't need to see whether it's super competitive or not. Amazon is taking care of that for them. And plus, from an Amazon perspective, it is quite an opportunity for them to own selection and the inventory, which then also translates into the availability of products and the competitive pricing, which customers are all about, right? I mean, they really want to go to a marketplace and browse the products and then find them at a convenient and also a good price point. And when you look actually at uh, the latest statistics, um, also from the second quarter of this year, then you see that the share between sellers and uh, first party brands on Amazon um, is quite disproportionate. So you have 56% of sellers that um, sell globally on Amazon and um, go through the third-party route um, with them. But I would say overall, I mean, this doesn't necessarily give you an overview of the direction that Amazon wants to go because, of course, from an Amazon point of view, having first-party selection available gives them a greater ownership over the inventory, so the availability of products, but also about the pricing. And this is really what is important for Amazon when it comes down to attracting 
new customers, but also to maintain the customer trust that they have built over the past couple of years and even if they're entering new categories. So they need to have this mix between third-party share sellers and also the first-party brands that help them to actually build the categories and to develop the, the assortment and range that is available to end customers. Yeah, I mean that all that all makes um, that all makes sense, and I guess you know from a brand's perspective, you know, obviously, if you, get, you know, as you said, you get approached by Amazon and they basically buy from you. What do you think the role of Vendor Central will be going forward? Like, do you think this will be very important to brands, or do you think you know brands will actually you know take up more of a hybrid approach? What does that look like to you, Martin? Yeah, it's it's one of those questions I get all of the times uh, these days, and I think. Working with Vendor Central is and, and brands who who actually enter into this space, um, it really aligns with Amazon's ambition for the next couple of years and has always aligned with Amazon's ambitions in, in the recent past because it is really Amazon's doorway to innovate um, with the biggest consumer brands in each category far beyond of what we've seen anywhere else over the past decade. I mean, just look at their store openings in the US, but also here in the UK with Amazon Fresh and um, even their remote uh, department stores that uh, may open in, in the next, next years or so. So they need the selection for that and they need to be available at competitive price points. So this literally um, comes down to their overall flywheel model, which, which also constitutes and is part of their overall business model. They need to have selection available they need to pair it with an excellent um, customer experience that even attracts more customers and sellers and vendors. And thereby, it becomes more available and products become more available at yeah, affordable costs simply because obviously the economies of scales are being driven by that. So the role of Vendor Central will be paramount. And despite many people are saying that Vendor Central is uh, certainly something that they shouldn't prioritize anymore and Amazon is probably um, going away from and moving away from, I wouldn't necessarily see it that way simply because it is Amazon's direct ticket towards range, assortment and availability, which then also pays into the flywheel model that they are driving all over again every day. Yeah, it's a very um, it's a very interesting perspective, and I like how you brought up that you know in the community a lot of people are kind of debating, saying you know Vendor Central is going to end. But you're right, it is actually a way that Amazon can have full control of, as you say, the selection, availability, and so on, without having to rely on a the seller. So, final question, Martin, uh, what is your top prediction for Amazon in 2022? And it could be anything. Um, you know, any, what what are your thinking? What do you think we'll see kind of play out? I think there will be two big trends. I think you will see a lot of the focus on profitability, but also a large push to availability. Because if you think about it right now, I mean, there are loads of capacity constraints in Amazon's warehouses, but also pressure on literally every global supply chain of any global brand out there. And it really affects both of their businesses, vendor central, but also seller central. So for them, it's paramount. Um, to support brands to a certain extent as best as they can because they need to have products available because otherwise they are a marketplace with a lot of out-of-stock items and customers will then search for alternative um, ways to, to purchase products. And, and this can't obviously be in their best interest. So personally, I think brands will see a large push to general availability um, and there will be a focus on that from Amazon. 
whether it is um, on Seller Central, but particularly on Vendor Central as well. Um, and Amazon might even entice, as a result of that, more sellers to, to, to offer branded products that otherwise would only be carried by first-party brands in order to have a backup offer in the buy box. So let's say a brand that um, serves by a first-party model to Amazon is um, running out of stock with more sellers having the same product available in the buy box. And of course, customers have more choice over the, the, the product itself. And even though their main, um, their main partner, retail partner is running out of stock, they still have a backup offer on their marketplace in order to give customers what they want at the end. And, but at the same time, I would say the push towards profitability will be paramount for them as well, because without stock, levels um, shooting up their product mix is also changing so they have an altered product mix that um, can often become quite detrimental to their margin position themselves not only for vendors but also for amazon itself so i think there will be a larger push towards cost decreasing initiatives where there's literally a mutual cost benefit to the brand but also to amazon itself and this could be via for example a drop shipment or also a vendor flex model so where um, where a brand is literally shipping out products toward, towards end customers um, from their own warehouses um, instead of shipping it first to an Amazon fulfillment center. And it also removes literally the friction that comes with it and accelerates the, the speed of, of which a brand can fulfill customer orders um, because they don't have, I mean, they take out certain steps out of the supply chain. Um, and logistics that come usually with working with Amazon, either on the first party or third party model. And I think those things will really be necessary in order to focus on. So it's not necessarily that you see a disruptive innovation in that space and rather an incremental um, focus on improvements that really guarantee that their flywheel model, so having wide selection and ranges available, um, will, will be really supported in that sense. And um, my top prediction for brands, if they want to really focus on um, two aspects, is to first focus on getting their products um, in place. So um, inventory management will be very important. And then to pair that also with a profitability focus, because with greater unavailability in a category, you can really position yourself as a brand um, and you can become the, 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 the first party vendor or the third party seller that is really outperforming um, your peers in a category simply because you are competitive and you are um, available while a lot of other brands um, may not be. Yeah, interesting. I um, I did want to kind of build on that just a little bit as a side question. Um, in terms of prediction, because you mentioned earlier, you said, you know, Vendor Central has a lot of levers, some of those not exactly normally available, yeah. you know, visible. Do you have a prediction on the lever side of things as well? Uh, what do you mean by levers in, 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 in particular? Uh, so an example would be, um, let's say, the advertising module within uh, uh, Amazon Vendor Central. Or in Australia, for example, they're already be trying to enroll some sellers in, uh, sorry, some vendors in the ability to actually fulfill both from their own warehouse and actually send stock in as a vendor. So there's kind of like some things where, where feeling might come, but I kind of want to hear what, what your thinking is around those two things. I think uh, Amazon will want to take out as much friction as possible from all of those processes. So it is just natural that they try to yeah, import a lot of the the features and the functions that they that there already are out there, right? I mean, 
the the hybrid approach of um, sending your products towards an Amazon fulfillment center and to send it out of your own warehouse is nothing new, but I think it has been less accessible to many brands because there was always the need to uh, come up with a commercial agreement also with your vendor manager. And the more you can automate that and the more you can make this available on a wider scale to to vendors that also sometimes don't have a direct uh, relationship with a vendor manager, the better it will be. So the focus will certainly be on giving vendors a more visibility around analytics that improve availability. So out of stock rates and also improvement um, areas that they can tackle in order to, to uh, become more available at the end. Um, and then this will integrate into also the supply chain part. So I could see that Amazon may offer on a wider scale, uh, for example, um, that vendors can sign up to certain fulfillment models where they can supply and ship products out of their own warehouses by simply ticking a box and um, having it already set up on a more automated basis as compared to how it works um, as of right now. And then lastly, of course, I mean, the selection that is available, you want to also move through and uh, ship towards end customers. So I think the the um, UX and also the um, general experience that um, vendors will have and their account managers will have um, with the integration of Amazon advertising should at least be a huge focus from an Amazon perspective because it will help them, but also help brands to, to really unify this approach of having products available, being able to fulfill them to the end customer, but also to target and retarget customers when they need it. And I think particularly with the upcoming fourth quarter, where there will be so many capacity constraints and so many categories, um, pushing products that are available with the right marketing tactics uh, will be a really key survival tactic of many brands. Um, so those are definitely the levers. Um, having the right marketing in place, being um, being uh, well on top of your inventory management and then finding ways to profitably and efficiently send and ship products to your end customer. Those are the three levers that I think are the success levers for, for this fourth quarter. Interesting. Fantastic, Martin. I, um, I really appreciate that kind of detailed prediction and explanation and behind, behind your thinking. So look, I, I, I just want to leave it there, but thank you again. And, you know, we'd love to have you back um, next year to kind of see if those predictions actually come true. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, James.